You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. This is Pastor Josiah back on the podcast with you all and back once again with who? Who am I here with? Oh, hi. Who are you? I'm Ethan. Back again. It's Ethan Bolton. Thrilled to be here. And you know what we say when we're together, everyone in your car, say it along with us. We've been friends from the womb to the the tomb. tomb. That's right. Thank you, everyone, for joining in. Thank you for joining in on that. I know your wife looked at you like that was not appropriate for the moment and the context and the children in the backseat. It was, and I appreciate (laughs) it. Thank you. And you all take note the next time, Ethan, you just, just say it. Womb to the tomb. Don't even. We should move on. Your wife is not happy. (laughs) She's like, you can't be on the podcast with these anymore. (laughs) Your friendship is too weird. I don't like it. Um, I don't. I don't know if she's like that. No, she's good. We're good. She we're we're cool. Mm -hmm. She lets us go see movies sometimes. It's good. With without her even. This is too much of our personal lives. (laughs) Back back pedal real quick, please. We're going to go into what? um, Ethan, what? What do we? As I read. I read 1 Corinthians 8 and 10. Yes. You could give context for that, though. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, so this past weekend, Pastor Steve continued our series on first, mm-hmm. and he dug in a little to 1 Corinthians 8 and 10. Ah, I and he was, he was specific. <laughs> you called it? Yeah. That's why. Actually, you were it. there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But there was an interesting section there. I think we, sh- we should probably take a deeper look at. Correct. That's why I came this morning. That's why I woke up so early, so we could take a deeper dive into First Corinthians eight and ten. <laughs> yes, I need to. Whew, everyone, bear with me. I'm regaining my composure. Yes, there was a particular section in First Corinthians ten that didn't really have to do with the main thrust of what he was talking about. So okay. he was talking about Christian liberty. Mm-hmm. But there's this interesting section in First Corinthians chapter ten that I think is extremely helpful and warrants a more in-depth look. And so let me let me just read it. Okay, go It's for 1 it. Corinthians 10, and we're going to be starting in verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV, by the way, just so you all know. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. And then he goes on through a list of egregious behaviors and sins that they committed. And then again, he says... Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. So, there's this very... It's dense and poetic. Dense and poetic. This very mystifying section where Paul is... He's going back (laughs) to this very kind of... I mean, it's, it's almost hard to follow recap of the history of Israel's... Exodus. Right, right. And it, it kind of makes you wonder as you're reading it, how does he get there? Like, what, what is it that's leading him to go back to these Old Testament stories mm-hmm. and use them? 
like this. Because you notice that key phrase there. He says, these were written down for our instruction. I think one of the dangers that we're prone to in the church today, particularly in the West, that's what we always say. It's always the Western church. We're always in danger of this. I'm sure most churches, uh, many churches can fall into this. But we can go to the Old Testament and we can read it as just, oh, those are nice stories. Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> you know? yeah. And I mean, as far as like literature and storytelling goes, I mean, there are some pretty awesome accounts and narratives in there, but we don't go beyond reading them just as, oh, that's a cool story, you know? Or I think maybe we even pivot like way far into the other end of the spectrum and saying how this specifically applies to me right now in every conceivable way. Mm, like, yeah. It almost becomes a situation of manipulating it to bend to the circumstance of your life. Oh, yeah. I think we do. I think I see a lot of both mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. And I feel like neither one is, is truly helpful. Yeah, yeah. That's especially, I mean, you can, you can, yeah, I've, I've heard some pretty <laughs> egregious messages or interpretations of Old Testament passages that were, woof, I was like, well, that has like nothing to do with what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. And like, it's this weird, twisted, contorted interpretation that, uh, that says, you know, well, this is immediately, you know, like it, it somehow it, it gets twisted into this thing that you know, supposedly fits your life yeah. and has nothing to do with what was actually happening. Right. Here's something interesting. I think we're we're fairly decent about this at Horizons. You know, I'm going to toot my own horn here. Toot, toot. See how I did that? I tooted yeah, my own horn. It's okay. Um, Lord, forgive me for both of those things. You'll notice that in, in a fair number of churches, there's no going into Old Testament history or narrative for preaching, hmm. which is interesting in that an enormous portion of the Bible was narrative and another part of it was was poetic it was poems it was poetry and we tend to drill down on the didactic pieces like you know this didactic. this kind of tiny yeah. comparatively tiny portion of scripture that's what we want to spend 95% of our time on yeah um not saying that you shouldn't preaching, you know, the letters, Paul's letters, the epistles or anything like that. But I mean, there's a whole rich section of scripture that we're overlooking mm-hmm. or we're just reading his stories or we're completely missing the point of him manipulating. But Paul doesn't take that approach here. That's good. You know, that's as Setting he does. He's a, he's a pretty good preacher, pretty good interpreter of scripture. And so he acknowledges what happened. He's like I said, he's particularly he's kind of given a quick recap of some of the events of Israel's exodus from Egypt. I think he gives us some, uh, for lack of a better term, principles for how we approach the Old Testament, particularly the narratives, something on the narratives here. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be helpful for us to talk about that a little bit and think through how, how it is that we can read these Old Testament stories mm-hmm. and read them in a way that both honors what was happening yeah. back when that story was written or when it was happening. The actual context. Right. And what it means for us, yeah. particularly as Christians, because you could try to apply some of the, the life principles and the, the truths that you glean from the Old Testament. You, you might get a slightly better society, but you're not, it's not going to make an eternal difference. And that's what we're really, really aiming for here. So let me reopen to 1 Corinthians 10 here. 
So in that passage in 1 Corinthians 10, I think the first thing you want to take note of, the primary thing, he draws out this weird phrase. He says in verse 3, they all ate the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Yeah. Now, what's what's interesting about that? All of it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of it. That was the right answer. It's like, yeah. And I mean, like, well, in particular, too, like, I mean, Christ had not been born yet, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so a like, solid point. He's not, to use the theological term, been incarnated. Right. Uh, we don't have Jesus in the flesh walking town to town, preaching the gospel. The only thing they would have had, and they might not have even known, is what we call a Christophany, correct? Mm-hmm. That has happened a few times at that point. Mm-hmm. But they, I assume, they actually had no idea. Yeah, yeah, like the likelihood that they were aware of, you know, oh, yeah, this is, you know, of course, the spiritual rock we're drinking from is Christ, of course. Uh, how could we be so foolish? Um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like them at all. Yeah, but so, so the first thing, I think... When you're reading these Old Testament narratives and you're you're wanting to read them for more than just, oh, this is fascinating story, fascinating yeah. literature, I think the, the first thing you want to be aware of is where is Christ in this story? Or how does this story foreshadow Jesus? Or what is it telling me about who Jesus is? Because you, you get a lot of these Old Testament stories. And let me just use another one as an example. Okay. Maybe this will be helpful. David and Goliath. Mm. Pretty well-known story. A lot of people are familiar with that. Even in in many areas in America, you necessarily don't even have to be part of a church to be familiar with the David and Goliath story. I mean, that's kind of a pop culture Mm -hmm. phrase that we still use from time to time. You know, it's a David and Goliath scenario. So you have this story where David, you know, this little little runt, little brother, all of his older brothers are out in the army fighting and nobody wants to fight this guy, Goliath. Yeah. Everybody's scared to death of him. Same. And <laughs> I mean, a big giant comes and fights me. I'm, I'm probably going to be spooked, but nobody in Israel wants to fight this guy. And David comes along, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, you know, Will will he continue to revile, you know, the name of God and the people of God? And, you know, he goes and picks up his five smooth stones and he goes to Goliath and Goliath says, am I a dog that you come with me at sticks? And David says, you know, I'm going to fight the name of the Lord. And he takes a, a stone, slings it into his head, mm-hmm. bang, dead, chops off his head, actually, yeah. too. For good measure. For good measure. Now, I've I have heard this story. Many times. Many times. And, times. And, and preached by, like, and just like you read a book or, you know, you can hear this a number of places, look it up. But I've heard things, I've heard the story preached like, you just need to be a David and you need to go fight the giant and take him out. Okay. Or I've heard, like, I know, here's a good, here's a favorite preacher trick. What are your five smooth stones? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I Sorry, mean, is that unkind of me? That's, I mean, like, oh. and then, you know, it, it ends up being something, you know, like you can, if you're really good, it can be. Just five of the ten can be. <laughs> yeah, or it can be it's like. so kitschy. Yeah, um, you know, or you put it like to an acronym or something oh, like that, no. you know, like. Stone. Um, stone, you know, like. Um, Please kill the me The sovereignty now. of, you know, love Please. the, uh, yeah. the you oh, know, I mean, gosh. you know, you, you could you could have all kinds of fun with it. But that misses 
the entire underlying foundation of the gospel that seems like if you're if you're reading it and you you stop and you think about it, and I'm not going to say it's like immediate on the surface, but if you stop and you think about it, the gospel is so evident in that story. You think we're the Israelites, right? We're yeah. the people of God that are scared yeah. to death that cannot handle this giant. He's got us owned. Like there's no like we try this, he'll kill us. Mm-hmm. And then here comes David on our behalf yeah. to say, I will kill the giant with one fell swoop. And we benefit from that victory. We go on, you know, like the Israelites said, they go on to press the battle and win the victory mm-hmm. because David won it, not because they were a bunch of, you know, right. oh yeah, we're awesome. And we, we fought the giant and killed yeah, it. Clearly, Man, that is so much more, I think, encouraging and uplifting and strengthening to me. Um, and I think it would be for, for the church than just, oh, be a David, you know, like, and, and, you know, and that's the thing is like when you realize, oh, he won the battle, like it does give you strength and courage to go and press the fight, but you don't do it until you've realized, oh, David killed the giant. And man, that is so Christocentric, you know, that's such a, that's such a Jesus Christ kind of a message. Yeah. So that's a really good example, actually. Yeah. So I think the first thing you look for when you're reading those Old Testament narratives is how is the gospel present here? Like, where mm-hmm. is Jesus? What is this telling about Jesus? Or how is it anticipating him? Mm-hmm. How is it foreshadowing him? Um, and there are lots of great resources that are actually available for this. I think there's a study Bible called the Gospel Transformation Bible that looks at every... The Gospel Transformer Bible. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite. <laughs> it transforms into... <laughs> that's why uh, Transformers! Please Throwback for everybody I that, uh, <laughs> that does that. So that's the first thing I think you need to be aware of is like, how does this help me see who Jesus is, what yeah. he's done? Because that's the foundation for everything we do. It has to be, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you leave reading any portion of scripture, and in particular, I think you're prone to do this in the Old Testament um, with the narratives, you can read that and think, here are like the 10 things I need to go do. And without Christ, I mean, you might make it a little ways and things might be, oh, okay, but without Jesus and like what he's done yeah. on the cross and through the power of his resurrection. Without that, it's pretty empty. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you're going to be in the, you'll be stuck in the same spot the Israelites were before Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again, which was under the condemnation of the law, which is where, not where you want to be. You know? So you're dealing with that in the Old Testament narratives, the gospel, Jesus, where is he? The spiritual rock that was Christ. The second thing, though, that Paul draws out in this passage in 1 Corinthians is there were things that were written for our instruction, okay? So so the second half of that is what are the things that I am supposed to be practically obedient to as a result of what Jesus yeah. has done? Uh, in fact, Paul, he calls that in the letter of uh, Romans, he calls that the obedience of faith. In other words, there. We say this in the church, you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, right? That's how you're saved. It's not through anything you do, not through any merit of your own, not through your own works. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think this is the theologian Calvin. He said this, you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, that doesn't remain alone. And what he was implying is there is is this practical obedience that springs out of that. There is, again, to, to quote Jesus, there is fruit that grows out of being rooted in him. 
So once you understand who Jesus is and you've, you've read, say, an Old Testament narrative like David and Goliath, and you see, okay, here's where Jesus is evident, here's who he is for me, then you do want to ask, all right, how was this written for my instruction? What is it in this story that gives me a piece of practical obedience to follow? So here's what Paul draws out of that history that he gives of the Exodus, that brief little recap. He says, now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. So he's reading this history of Israel. He's recapping what he says is, do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written that the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. So he comes out of that. Yeah. So he comes out of that saying things like, hey, don't grumble. Like you read the history of Israel. They grumbled. They grumbled all the time, it seems like. I mean, like that is a calling card. It did not matter how often God worked miracles in their midst, how often he fed them, provided for them, and the I mean, astounding ways he revealed himself to them. They grumbled. They were grumblers. And so Paul looks at that and he draws out, you know, hey, the spiritual rock was there with them. Christ was there with them. And then what he says is, now, by the way, this was written for your instruction. Don't be a grumbler. Christ was in their midst. Christ was providing for them. Uh, He was giving them water and food, and they grumbled. Don't be a grumbler like they were. Like, that's just so not befitting the Christian life and who Jesus is. So you find that, too, in the Old Testament narratives. And those are just you could really probably talk for hours about the different ways that you can read the Old Testament narratives and how they influence our understanding of the New Testament. And in fact, we did a great podcast of that on that with uh, Dr. Bill Barker hmm. um, a couple of episodes ago, if you're interested in that. But when I'm, when I'm looking at what Paul was doing here in 1 Corinthians 10, and I'm looking through the Old Testament, those are at least two ways, particularly with the narratives, which make up yeah. such a huge chunk of Scripture. Those are at least two ways that you can start, I think, looking at those stories and saying, all right, what do I do with these? Other than the fact that, oh, they're just cool stories. You look for Christ. You look for the gospel. You look for who he is and what he's done or how it's foreshadowing him, all those things. And then you think, okay, because of that, what is it that I'm called to obey now as a result of that? That actually, okay, it reminds me of a question here. Because something you just pointed out that we have on one side, we have these didactic Mm, teachings, but in contrast, we have these poetic narratives. So ultimately, why? Mm. Why do we have these poetic narrative, these flowing stories, as opposed to this more like orderly didactic teaching? Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's, uh, why didn't, you know, God just say, like Paul did in 1 Corinthians 10, hey, don't be a grumbler. Like, why do we have this long story that kind of illustrates, here's God providing for you, you continue to grumble, this is what happens, like if you continue to destroy yourself and your relationship with God like this. I think part of it, and I said we we can't answer all that part of that question, obviously, but I think part of it is, one, you think about the times that, for instance, the Israelites lived in, particularly the ancient Israelites, what are you more likely to remember? An endless list of propositions that are kind of abstract and, oh, yeah, I I guess I shouldn't be a grumbler because, Mm, you know. Because someone said so. Yeah. Or it is particularly in an oral culture where they, you know, how you you learned and were educated wasn't by picking up a book and reading it like we have access to all over the place. It was through 
sitting around a fire late at night and telling stories. Well, now you have these oral histories that are flowing through and you remember that. I mean, that gets passed down. So, I mean, you have that, like, I think on the historical end, you have that. Obviously, now, obviously, these did come to be written down. Mm-hmm. Moses wrote down the, this history for us. But you have a lot of that oral tradition happening. And people were very, you know, just by way of a caveat, you know, I hear people sometimes say, well, isn't that like a game of telephone? Like, you know, if I whisper to you and you whisper to me, eventually things get messed up. Well, when the only thing you have are these stories and they have the same big overarching themes, you're not likely to get that wrong. In fact, I'm actually thinking of an example of two lawyers at Cambridge back in the 40s who were they were philosophers. There were a bunch of people in the same place, all lawyers, all committed to the truth, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted the truth. And this allegedly like legendary encounter happened between these two philosophers. And one of the little details, everybody kind of remembers the big thing, but one of the little details nobody can agree on. And you're talking about people who, lawyers, like they're super concerned about the truth. Yeah. And even they get like, oh, that's like a little detail that's off. But did it influence the greater point of that story or that history? No, it didn't. And I can't recall their names right now, but it's a fascinating illustration of what I'm trying to get at here. So you have that on one side. You have the oral history part. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes it comes written down and uh, passed down. But the second thing, and I don't know, I might find this a little more compelling, honestly, there's something about stories. Yeah. See, this is what I wanted you to get to. Yeah. That's, <laughs> like that stick to your ribs, that yeah. stick to your gut. So like, for instance, I'm watching the movie A Quiet Place with Morgan mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. Wonderful film. Yeah. Wonderful story. Inventive, innovative. I mean, captivating, moving. Like I'm- I cried. I'm in tears at the end of that movie. Yeah. You know? Now, you don't do this with most stories, but like if if- we were just, let's just boil it down to the, like, if we could, to the most basic, most basic, like, quote unquote, principle. Family is important and we sacrifice for family. Mm-hmm. We love one another and we sacrifice for each other. I mean, that's great. That's cool. That is a great truth to live by and wonderfully true. But I could say that to you. And are you going to be like, oh, man, oh I'm so moved. You would say that to me and I would like brush it off with a little disdain. Yeah. It would just hit me the wrong way. But to see it in this format, to experience it with something uh, that I've grown to care about, characters that I've grown to love, uh, here I am crying about it. Right. You know? Yes. And it and then that impresses on you. Like it gets that truth into your skin. Yeah. That story does like, oh, like, yeah, this this matters. This is true. I think it is important to sacrifice for those I love yeah. and to do the difficult things. And it forces you to ask questions that you maybe never thought about asking. And stories put, that's the other thing I love about stories, and I love that, that God gives us so much of his word in these stories, is that it puts those propositional true statements into a world where you test it out in different ways. You, re- you realize how this gets lived out in flesh and blood in ways that you couldn't imagine. Mm -hmm. Like, what would you do? Like, if you take that truth that you ought to sacrifice for those you love, and then you put it in a scenario where you have to be absolutely silent, and sound means death, and you're welcoming in a new baby. And you know what new babies mean? Sound. Sound, I mean, lots of sound. sound. It just, so beautiful. And it puts, Mm -hmm. it gives an embodiment to a truth that you just don't, I don't think you get. In other ways. And you need the didactic pieces. Um, you need those things. But 
I mean, they're just made more rich by stories. Yeah. And I think I think I think it's that's very a true. pretty awesome mercy of God to give us these yeah. these stories where it's like maybe maybe things aren't quite what they seem. And maybe we need to stop and think about this a little more. See how it plays out. Anyway. I like that. As Steve was preaching that message and we were thinking first Corinthians ten, that kind of seemed like a good thing to do. So yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, Ethan, yeah. Thank you for joining us on thank this. You. you know how we do. We just we're we're running. We're doing stuff. Hey, Ethan. Yeah. If people have a question and they want to ask you about like a movie or something, no other oh. podcast, where should they send it? Well, if they want to ask me about a movie, let's send that to podcast at horizonschurch.net. Hey. But if they have a complaint and they have a concern and they have a crisis of faith, I think you should email sfelder at horizonschurch.net because <laughs> I cannot help you. I can't, buddy. It's not. We'll end up watching movies together instead and you'll still, uh, you'll be Come watch a, a Quiet Place. Yeah. Cry. Feel better. Thank you all for listening. Thank you again, Ethan, for joining us. Absolutely. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.